coming is like that's such a great fucking song and the fucking drums and just the you, you don't you know it, what I liked about Vinnie Paul what I liked about Pantera was and I guess this kind of speaks to you know the groove aspect of it is you always heard you know double bass and heavy metal and it was like machine gun type kind of stuff and Vinnie Paul would mix it up and use the use that double bass in a different way and you know really just kind of turn metal drumming on its ear and it brought so much to the rest of the music and that was just one song man this is fucking great Welcome to episode 177 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here. And we hadn't had to do this in quite a while. I know. Thankfully, I guess. But yeah. Well, it's never good when we got to do this. Yeah. We've, you know, always throw shout outs to musicians we enjoy that end up passing along. But when it's someone like this, we've got to talk about it for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty, pretty pivotal. Right. Well, before we get into this talk about Vinnie Paul, need to let you know that we are sponsored by Vitz Screen Printing and DEB Concerts. Vitz Screen Printing out of Oklahoma City does t-shirts, hoodies, caps, all kinds of great stuff. They do uh, tons of bands in Oklahoma City and Oklahoma area. So if you have anything, whether it be a band or a business, hit these guys up. They do our shirts. We love them. That's why we talk about them. Definitely. And very glad to have them on as a sponsor. And we've also got DEB Concerts sponsoring this thing that we're very happy about because these guys have been bringing some kick-ass concerts to the Tulsa area for a few years now. We've seen stuff like they brought through like Tom Kiefer, Dokken. They brought in Jack Russell's Great White, Lita Ford. Who am I forgetting? Winger. Yeah, Warrant. L.A. Guns. Firehouse. Yes. Speaking of LA Guns, they're coming back December 8th at the Ideal Ballroom. But way before that, here coming up in the next few weeks, we've got Dockin returning with Doxy and Rocket Science. And that's at the Ideal Ballroom. Nice. Rocket Science actually opened for Dockin last time they were here. And Jana Jordan got on stage. Got up and played with them, yeah. And played, I believe it was, was it Into the Fire, I think? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Well, don't quote me on that. But she yeah. played a song with them that was badass. So she'll be out there again, as well as Dockin. Chris McCarville from Dockin has been on this podcast. Yes, yes, he has. And of course, so is Jana, and so is the guys in Doxy. Then we've got, later in the month, we've got July 26th, Steelheart at Safari Joe's H2O Water Park. Get on their website, get tickets for that. And then a couple days later, back at the Ideal Ballroom, Bisto Blanco with Doxy and Driver. And that show is absolutely free. Yes, DB is putting that on for free as a thank you to everybody for supporting all these other shows. And then on August 18th, they've got Faster Pussycat coming with Don Jameson. And then Dead Metal Society is opening that show. And every one of these shows at IDL Ballroom, Eddie Trunk is hosting. Gotta love that. I'm not sure if he is the Steelheart, but it's <clears throat> possible as well. Yeah. Because he'll yeah. be here for Bisto Blanco, so he might be. Why not? Yeah. So. Thanks to DEB Concerts. Check them out on Facebook at Streets Gone Wild. All right. We mentioned what, it's probably been about three months ago now that we started re-putting or started the process of yeah. doing these every album in a row things that we had done in the past year, year and a half. 
because they're all YouTube exclusive, and we thought we need to re-up these to the podcast. They are reissues, shall yeah. we say. Yeah. And around the same time, we also did Kiss and Alice in Chains. Those are actually on the podcast. Yes. But we re-upped Metallica, and that might have actually been the only one we've done so far, now that I say that. but Well, we're doing this one. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been talking about these other ones, which ones we're going to do next, and well... That was an easy decision this week. Yes, for sure. For sure. So this Pantera thing we recorded, I looked it up. It was March of 2017. Okay. So about a year and a few months ago. Okay. So you're going to hear all that. We're going to talk in detail about Pantera. But here right now, we're just going to talk about Vinnie Paul for a few minutes. Yes. Because unfortunately, this past week, he passed away. Yes. So we now officially live in a world where there is not an Abbott brother in it. It's it's pretty sad yeah. once you really come to think about it. Yeah. Those were uh, two bright, shining souls in the metal world. Yeah. I think, and uh, it, it's it's uh, pretty sad to see that light go out again. Yeah. Not just, yeah, shining in every sense of the word, whether it be musical ability. Yes. Or as a person, or as a champion for metal and music in general yeah definitely i mean pantera was one if not the only band in the 90s that kept it going strong and kept it viable yeah as in as in you know demand and and whatnot um so yeah i mean this is definitely uh yeah a sad day yeah so i mean what can you say about this guy like i can't remember exactly what we said in this thing coming up I'm sure we talk about Vinnie Paul in here at points. Oh, yeah. But the thing that stood out to me as not being a musician, so I don't hear things the same way a drummer would or <clears throat> the way you would as a mm -hmm. guitarist, but it just always jumped out to me that the band as a whole, all four of those guys stood on their own, mm -hmm. and they all stood out in every song. And obviously, if you're the best groove metal band ever, you've got to have the best groove metal drummer ever That's right. to write that ship, basically. Exactly. And, I mean, you notice that from the get-go. Every single song of every single album is tight as fuck and heavy as fuck, and the drums are always right there in the forefront of everything, as much as Dimebagger, Phil, or Rex. I, I agree. I, I think that, f for me, everything this guy ever put on tape was astounding, for me, when I really noticed it, when it really kind of took me took me aback, was uh, vulgar display of power. I mean, don't get me wrong, Cowboys from Hell is great, and and there was still a lot of that on Cowboys from Hell. But I think it just the uh, the sonics, the the production of the drums, made the drums sound like nothing I'd ever heard before. I mean, it was so it was so tight and it was so clear, and it was so loud without being you know the dominant thing and just you know the, the the way he gets into his pocket and his groove um was just insane you know i mean he wasn't uh it wasn't just all about speed or ability it was just about like you know it was about balls and right vinnie paul had that in his playing it really did and you know the drums on vulgar display just are insane they're they're every bit is, you know, uh, of prodigy level as Dimebag Daryl is. Right. I really think. So, 
yeah, I mean that's that's saying something right there. And you know, he his 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 bass rolls always got me. Um, you know, you know his double bass. I mean, and uh, and it's it's prominent throughout when you hear him play. You know, it's him. Right. Yeah. Another thing to point out non musically is that this has been talked about well before he died, but. Yeah. Anyone that goes through something like watching your brother get killed in front of you exactly. and then be able to step up. Because you know, however long it took him before, I guess, hell yeah, was the next thing he did. However, I don't remember how long that space was, but mm-hmm. for to be able to get back on that stage, not just without him, but just in general. Yeah. Because you got to know that's going through your mind for a long time after that. And then to not only do that, but then to do it at a high level. Exactly. And I mean, he... He took another band that could have just been an afterthought in metal. Mm-hmm. It could have just been, oh, it's a dude from Pantera and a dude from, a couple dudes from Mudvayne. You know, but here we are 13, 12, 13 years later, and they're as big as most metal bands out there. Yeah. Because he took that to the next level as well. Yeah, they, they've got their own following and their own, they've got their very, their, their own brand and everything. And, and I think, like you said, aside from his, his playing ability, he had that, he had that, um, you know, he, he had that knack for doing that. You know, he, not only did he do that, but he had restaurants, strip clubs. I mean, he was, yeah. he did, he did everything. And, you know, I think that he, I think he had a lot to do in the later years of Pantera and Damage Plan and Rebel Me Trouble. If I'm wrong, correct me, but it seems like he had a lot to do with producing a lot of that kind of stuff. And, uh, so, I mean, you know, his reach went w- well beyond just drumming. Right. And, uh, you know, he really was a, a renaissance man, so to speak. Yeah. Well, he released the Dime Vision. Yes. Yeah, he did all videos. that. Exactly. And, but, you know, maybe that's what helped him get through that is just the constant, not only doing stuff, but just, you know, you could tell the guy lived life to its fullest. Yes, definitely. Even when he wasn't working. Yeah. You know, he's whether it's be partying or just hanging out or whatever, <laughs> this guy didn't stop, that's you know, right. and as cliche as it sounds, it's probably because he realized that's what he had to do to get through it. Cause that's what he always did with his brother. That's right. And the other thing to point out is just like his brother, who was always known for being extremely personable. Yes. You know, he's the exact same way. You don't hear, if you do, it's pretty minimal. You don't hear a crass word about anyone that ever met the guy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's evident in the last week since this happened is anytime someone dies, you know, you can look through Facebook or Instagram and there's a lot of posts. If yeah. it's someone that's prominent, but this guy, it's like, I don't know if it's the people I follow, but literally I'm looking through Instagram and I like 50 posts and like 47 of them are Vinnie Paul. Yeah. You know? And I mean, sure. I'm following a ton of metal people, but I'm also following all kinds of other people. And I mean, there's like, mm-hmm. You don't think, you think, yeah, you'd think a guy from Killswitch Engage or Slayer or something's going to post, but then you've got Tracy Guns and Brett Michaels That's and right, yeah. the guys from Warrant and yep. Mark Torian and all these people like that that you don't necessarily associate with heavy stuff. It's because Vinnie Paul was a champion to all that stuff. That's right. Yeah, the, the, him him and Dime really were. I mean, it didn't matter. You know, they weren't. What was it? There's a... Uh, there's there's video on YouTube of them coming out and uh, singing Down Boys with Warrant. Right. Like at some festival in Europe. Yeah. And, you know, to where, especially back in that time, 
it would be frowned upon if they did that, but they didn't care, you know? Yeah. Because it was all about rock and roll. And to me, I think that's, yeah. that's the, the beautiful thing about all this, you know? Right. Well, in that story, I saw, I saw a story today that resurfaced from an interview he did several years ago where he said he wanted Appetite for Destruction yeah. played at his yeah. funeral. Yeah. So you, that'll probably happen. Yeah. And, you know, there's tons of great tributes out there, so just go look this stuff up. I know Phil Dimmel had a great one. Oh, yeah, that was um, a really cool one. I'm trying to think of who. The, one of the ones I meant to ask you if you saw was, did you watch Sebastian Bach's video? No, I didn't. It's literally, he went, like, live on Facebook the minute he found out when he walked off stage. Really? So it was like. It was super fucking raw. Yeah, it wasn't like. You can tell sometimes when someone does something and it's like, you know, hey, I'm just doing this for a little press or whatever. But yeah. you know they were friends. So he literally walked off stage. You could tell he was dripping in sweat. And he said that someone just showed him on his cell phone, on their cell phone, that Vinnie Paula died. And yeah. then he just went into it and he talked for like a minute and he was crying half the time. Really? And I mean, it's pretty, is it pretty good? I mean, it. It's not good to watch, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was pretty heartfelt. Yeah, pretty touching thing, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, you mentioned, wanted to go back and mention Damage Plan, because, you know, that's that's the another what if, you know, if Dimebag hadn't died, would that have went to the level that Hell Yeah did, you think? Um, I don't know. I think, I think Pantera would have eventually gotten back together. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know we talked about that. I think we probably could have got it. We probably would have got another Damage Plan album or two, but. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm fully yeah. sure that would have happened. Yeah, it definitely would have happened. Um, so, and and I really think that I really think that one day Vinny and Phil would have kind of made amends a little bit. Yeah, but you know we'll never know. Well, you know, there's been several times over the last few years where Phil has said in interviews and stuff, you know, he's completely open to that, and that's what he yes. wanted to happen. Yeah. So it was all in Vinny's court you know and it's just yeah. one of those things that whether it took you 14 years or 24 years you know well in a situation that like that you know however long yeah he needs that's what i mean how long it, it, need, it needed to be if he was still here and it took him another 10 years and so be it so but, be it yeah anyway you know what i mentioned to you the other day there's no positive here but the only positive is that people can shut up now about a pantera reunion with zach yeah. Wild, just because yeah. that always I'm like I'm a hypocrite because if it happened, I'd be, I'd be there the first in line. But true, but I don't but, want it to happen or didn't want well, it to happen. But enough. that's the same thing as saying you know if Jimi Hendrix came back from the dead, we'd all be there. Of course we would, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> and a Pantera reunion with Zach was never going to happen. And I didn't want it to happen. Well, yeah, I, that's I what I'm saying. You know, and 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 it really it it bothered me that people kept bringing that up or people kept saying it. You know. Yeah. It's just uh, yeah. So, anyways. And then, finally, Rebel Meets Rebel. Yeah, I mean, I listened to that today at the gym. Um, I thought that had some of, well, I mean, we're talking about Vinny here, but, I mean, that was just a great fucking record. Um, it, it was something that I don't know that really had ever been done before or a lot or that kind of thing. Not that we can, I can think of. And, and you know. And, At least on record. And, you know, Pantera and David Allen Coe married those worlds pretty pretty perfectly so that was really cool and uh i always love going back and revisiting that album yeah <clears throat> i remember when it first before it even came out when it was announced like it just 
totally blew my mind. Yeah, it's like, how's this going to yeah. fucking work? Cause yeah, but it worked. Literally, at that point, David Allen Coe is my favorite country artist yeah. ever. And then Pantera being one of my favorite bands ever. You know, I was so, like every kid of the 90s that lived through the Pantera years was so bummed they were gone. But yeah. then to think, okay, we got three of these three of these guys, and without the singer, now we're going to have a freaking country legend yeah. front in this band like what's gonna happen and it, it lived up to cool. like you said it lived up to the hype you know and then i saw david allen co a few years later and he played nothing to lose live oh yeah and it was one of the times he was actually good it wasn't one of those <laughs> shitty shows that he put on oh my god that's a total side note but yeah that's a total ep- yeah. that's another that's for another time <laughs> it really is but i feel back to vinnie feel completely fortunate i saw this guy i was thinking earlier 10 or 11 times because I saw Pantera six times, yep. hell yeah, four or five times. And then we were completely fortunate enough to be in the audience at Anthrax. Oh my God. At, I, it was Trees, right? Yes. In Dallas in 99 or 98. One of those. And Dimebag and Vinnie Paul came out on stage and played Cold Gin with Anthrax. I know. That was that was one of the, one of the highlights of my musical fandom life. Yeah. Really, it, it, it was. And it was at Trees. So there's like a few hundred people there, if that. Yeah. It, it was, was like Anthrax during those lean years where it was John Bush, but it was my favorite time. Yes. You know, so I was more than happy to be there in the first place, but then to have these and then you know, these Don two guys Finney step out on stage. Out. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking great. But yeah. So yeah. We're from there, you know. Yeah. Rest in peace, Vinnie Paul. That's right. So yeah, like we said earlier, this every album in a row thing is a thing we've been doing for a little while. Besides Pantera, we've got Metallica, Kiss, Alice in Chains, Ozzy, Van Halen, Megadeth, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses. I think that covers it. So go back and check out on the podcast episodes a few of those, and then the rest of them are all YouTube exclusive, but here in the coming months, you should find them up here as well. YouTube is at TheThunderground. com is the website. And let's just get into this. Pantera, every album in a row. And this is an offshoot thing we do where... We do exactly what the title says, and we pick a band and listen to every album in a row. And that we did. We got Pantera this time. Yeah. Five albums, plus a few other covers and songs from soundtracks and new tracks and that kind of stuff. But the the rules are pretty simple. Like I said, we pick a band, listen to all their studio albums, from the first song of the first album to the last song of the last album, listen to it in chronological order, front to back, just to see how this stuff kind of flows from one album to the next. If there's, you know, because a lot of times you don't listen to the last song of an album and then the first song of the next album, you know, in a row. That's right, you don't. And of course, we skip live albums, we skip greatest hits albums, we'll do covers and compilation albums, and I'm sure one day when we do Kiss, we'll make the exception for a live. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of yeah. do it We make up the rules as we go, right? Yeah. We do what we want. Yeah. Our other rule is there needs to be at least five albums from the band for this to happen. Yes, so Pantera right. is our first 
band with only five albums, but that's more than enough to to make this worthwhile, I think. That's right. And what a five albums it is. Right. You know? Yeah. Yes, and before you make a comment, we know there's four albums before these five albums, but... <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about that. <laughs> We've... I don't know if you listen to all of them. I listened to them a long time ago. It's yeah, been, it's been years, but It's yeah. been forever, but... You know, for the purposes of this, of course, major label stuff, and, you know, when people look at Pantera, Pantera lists Cowboys and Mel as their debut album. Yeah. Major label, all that great stuff. That's right. So, just... Kind of jump into it with Cowboys from Hell when it kicks off and that riff from Cowboys from Hell starts. Mm-hmm. Like, what could you even compare that to that came before that? You know, because the song itself and everything that comes after it has a lot of sounds from stuff before it that we'll get into here. But yeah. that riff itself is just like unlike anything I'd ever heard when I first heard it. Yeah, I mean, you could... You, you those, need those first 20 seconds or whatever it is. Yeah, you're like, wait, something's up here. Yeah. I mean, that's what you thought when you heard that first riff. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, I think me and you had this conversation not too long ago. Like, I, I don't know if that was the first Pantera song I ever heard, but that was definitely the one that, you know, you're like, well, these guys aren't going away anytime soon. Right. You know, it, it was... It was a pretty monumental riff, and it still is. Yeah. And this uh, this album, I kind of always thought of it as the bridge between what they were and what they became. I get that, yeah. Because they've got a lot of... They've still got a lot of the 80s metal vibe to them. They're not as, you know, if you want to say they were glam or they were, you know, more classic hard rock. Yeah. You know, they had... A little bit of that kind of flair to it, but at the same time, the heaviness had shown up, the thrashiness, yes. you know. That's the, right. Um, yeah, and it, it uh, I like what you say about it being a bridge, and it is. I, I think it's more heavier and thrashier than, you know, it, it, it's kind of the end of the bridge towards the heavy stuff, but I get that. Right. But, you know, if you look at, like, videos, and I think the first home video they put out, Dimebag Daryl is still Diamond Daryl. Yeah. And he's playing a pink guitar. Well, he's listed <laughs> He's listed on Cowboys from Hell as Diamond Daryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, that's, that, that is what it is. Getting into the album, I mean, you know, it's such a, you know, monumental record and it's it's just got you know domination and cemetery gates and you know promo concrete sledge i mean that's on top of cowboys from hell that is uh i mean that's just songs that are gonna you know they're kind of timeless in a way um psycho holiday is my favorite pantera song but early off this album sorry um you know and i think um my only, it's not even a complaint. I think it's just an observation is, uh, sometimes the guitar's a little thinner, a little more like, you know, trebly. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, um, but I think that was just the time. Yeah. And, uh, you definitely hear the progression on the next record, but I mean. Well, what about the voice? You know, you think. It, well, that was, and that was my next thing. You, you know, know, the last. He's got the, oh Yeah. 
you know, he carried that over. That was kind of part of the the thing that bridged, I guess, because he was he was doing some heavy stuff, but nothing like what he would yes. do later. And, and and you know, you've got all the the Halfordy, yeah, Halford esque, you know, kind of screams and you know high register stuff that he didn't do like ever again. ever again. Yeah, and uh, so you know, and probably these days he probably can't, <laughs> right? But yeah, when you say Halford shattered jumped out at me, especially like yeah. that's just straight up priest, heavier priest, you know? Yeah, you know, priest is. isn't a heavy metal band. I learned that from. <laughs> from oh from, man, from Brent from Hines, Mastodon. <laughs> People need to lay off that. It's just what somebody thinks. Yeah. You know, and I almost agree with him too. I see. No, exactly. I'm kind of the same way. That's not like painkiller or something, you know. know, But that's for another. (laughs) That's for another episode, Trent. (laughs) Sorry, that was random, but. But yeah, like you mentioned, Cemetery Gates that had a huge epic metal '80s kind of metal vibe to it, Mm -hmm. and of course, that's a classic, you know, metal song now itself. Yeah, and Heresy. You know, is another one that jumps out as just being real. You know, because a lot of times when people would throw Pantera as a in that thrash metal group, you know, when people would talk about thrash bands like years mm-hmm. later, yeah. And I, you know, you don't really hear it except on this album to me. You know, yeah. everything later is just groove metal or just heavy metal or whatever. And heavy metal, I think. Yeah. You know, I think it's funny back then when they were coming out people would call them power metal because it was powerful or whatever but yeah that's totally different from what power metal is and right i i kind of look back on that and chuckle but heresy almost sounds like metallica or anthrax at times yeah yeah and then and you got to talk about kind of the more unsung heroes of that record like art of shredding or the sleep i mean those yeah. are great fucking songs that i kind of just rediscovered all over again doing this and that is one of the reasons why we're doing this and why I like doing this. Yeah. Listen to all these things in a row and stuff. Well, yeah, the sleep, you know, as well, it, you know, has more of an 80s vibe, I think, than. Yeah. I've, when I say 80s vibe, I mean, I'm talking like the heavy stuff from the 80s. Definitely. Than any other song on this album, mm-hmm. I think, but especially with that riff, you know, and it just. Yeah. It gets stuck in your head and. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's just amazing. But the. One thing that. That jumped out of me that I every time I hear it, I just think it's cool as shit, is the end of Domination. Yeah. When that the riff goes back and forth between the left and right speakers. Yeah. That's like not... No one does that, you know? That's, that'd have been something they were fucking around with in the studio and yeah. like thought this sounded cool. Because normally when they do it, it's like one riff and then one riff or one vocal and then one vocal. But it was just like dun, 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 back and forth yeah. from... Anyway. I know. That's... <laughs> That's one of the that's one of the things about Pantera. Yeah, you know they 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 did they did whatever the hell they wanted. Right. Well, when the sleep ends and vulgar begins, it's not something that flows like the same no. band. You know, it's it sounds like the same band in a sense, but at the same time, it's like holy shit. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a the tone's heavier as hell. Yeah, it's thicker. It's yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, this, <laughs> this fucking record. Yeah. You know, it's like we said in, uh, the Aussie episode, this is one of the, this is one of the records everybody had. Yeah. Everybody had it. Everybody had it memorized. It's classic. There's no, there's, there's no fucking point 
at any time in this record where you have to skip anything. I mean, it's just, this is just 100% perfection. Yeah. It really is. And it's, they're firing on all cylinders. And you could kind of like, when I, I remember when I heard this record, I could just imagine their band meeting in between Cowboys from Hell and Vulgar Display. You know, of like, okay, we need to step this up. We need to hang our balls out there for everyone to see and marvel at. And that's what the fuck they did. They really did. Yeah. Well, the you mentioned, I mean, you heard them before this, right? Because yes, you know, you had you said you saw them on Much Music. I think is what you told me before. Well, that was when that was the first time I'd heard anything from this record. But you know, I had a you know I'd seen episode of Headbangers Ball, and you'd see Psycho Holiday or Cowboys from Hell. Oh, okay. And that's when you know you. I was like, okay, wow, right? You know, I love this, and then. You know, like I said, you know, had an old, one of those gigantic satellite dishes when I was growing up, and we had much music from Canada, and they had a heavy show, and they said, here's a new Pantera song, Mouth for War, and that was the first one, and I just, I was just, it just blew me against the wall, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was like, wow, these guys aren't fucking around, they really stepped it up, and they (laughs) did, you know. Yeah, you know, because this was, this album came out at the beginning of 92, and... At that point, I'd heard of Pantera, but I don't know that I had ever heard Cowboys from Hell mm-hmm. or Psycho Holiday because I didn't have MTV. Yeah, didn't have we didn't have cable at that point, so I never saw any of that stuff. But you would see, you know, I'd get all those magazines and you see the name, you'd see the name or the stuff, pictures yeah. or something. But it was just another metal band I didn't really know that much about. Yeah, and then one day, and I guess early '92, Lonnie Walters. Said you gotta come over and hear this, and <laughs> I came over to his house down. He, he made the call, yeah, down at the end of the street, and went <laughs> in his room, and he had play on Mouth for War and listened to the whole album there in his room. And I was just like, you know, just song after song, I'm like, what the hell? I know, you know, completely, like you said, just, you know, I wasn't thinking, you know, these guys up their game because I didn't know exactly. what was going on before, but it just blew me away, and I'm like, yeah. You know, because I was really into all the, you know, Anthrax and Megadeth and Metallica and, and, at that point. And this was another, this was totally different, but it was still heavy as hell, just like these bands, you know. Exactly. It was, you know, I, I thought, this is, this is something like I've never experienced. I mean, this is heavy and it's crazy. I mean, I, I, I heard Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, Testament, all that. But this was like something totally different, you know, and it wasn't like, I don't know, it wasn't like they were trying to top those bands or be like those bands, but it was still just in a heavy, you know, the heaviness and the speed, and I mean, it was it was crazy. Yeah. Well, what's the best song on this album? Oh my God. <laughs> Put me on the spot. I don't... I don't know, man. I'm kind of mad at you for asking me that now. <laughs> It's one of those ones where you can, you can say almost every song uh, is my favorite song. You know? I hate to sound so cliche, but fucking hostile is a new level. I don't know. I mean, I always was really, and it's it was a single too, but Mouth for War. God, I love that fucking song. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I can't pick one favorite. Right. That's bullshit, man. That's fucked up, man. <laughs> 
But I mean, this, you know, this band is so tight and so rehearsed. And I mean, you know, there wasn't a drop of water getting through this band. They were tight as fuck. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just love the lyrics. It made me as a, you know, as a, as a weird chubby kid, you know, trying to find my way through fucking, you know, being a teenager and all that dumb shit. You know, this album made me feel strong and, you know, inspired and stuff. And, ah, man, I don't know. I can't pick a favorite song. So it's, it's all, it's all deadly. Yeah. If I have to pick a favorite Pantera song, and like we talked about this on Ozzy. Favorite song from this album. No. Oh, of all. Okay. Yeah. It's regular people conceit. Yeah. Which, you know, might sound random to a lot of people because it's not a talked about song but that song just has everything in that one song you know the lyrics are unbelievable the whole thing you know that's another thing panther was always great about you know their lyrics and yeah i mean even even though walk is so played out Mm -hmm. and you've heard it a billion times and you you still hear it and it's just like one of those things it's like when you we did this and heard inner sandman or crazy train it's just like yeah well fuck yeah this is cool yeah, it I mean, might not be as cool as a new level, but it's still fucking great. You know? <laughs> it's and what I think is so great about Walk, and I think why it resonates so much is it's just it's it's genius in its simplicity. You know? Right. I mean, there's nothing to that fucking song, but it's brilliant. Yeah. So there you go. And another thing that I always thought was cool, I think it happens more on this album than other albums, but he did it throughout. Their whole career, I think. Dimebag, a lot of times, would they would not have a rhythm track under the solo. Yeah. Which I always thought was cool, because it's just like you're hearing it like you would hear it live. Because then you go see That's you right. go see tons of bands that only have, you know, have one guitarist. So you go see them live, and it kind of comes off different, because mm-hmm. there's no rhythm track under there, you know? Yeah. So I just thought that was always kind of cool, because it just gave it that kind of, that feel, you know? Yeah. It's interesting you mention that, because... I've noticed that too, and you know, sometimes to me, when bands do that, it it seems like it it sounds thin or something. Sounds thin or sounds yeah. different, but it just sounded so perfect when Pantera did it. I think it's just because they were so good and they were so they knew what notes to use and all that kind of technical stuff, and it, it was it was just really raw and just you know, um, just no frills and that's what I loved about it and you know Dimebag Daryl is so fucking good I mean why would you need a rhythm track under that we're not going to pay attention to it anyways because whatever he's playing is so amazing yeah you know so I think that's that's a good point but yeah even like you know This Love and Hollow the two kind of Mm -hmm. Quasi ballads, you know, yeah. um, are just unbelievable songs. I yeah, remember hearing, are. you know, this love on the, you know, on the radio like real late at night. It might yeah. have been like Renegade Rock or something yeah. if it was around here, but you know, and that was probably right after I'd heard it at Lonnie's house, and then eventually got it myself. Yeah, but yeah, you, it's just, you just kind of get out of lost words because it's one of those albums you just want to keep talking about, but you just keep repeating yourself, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I saw him live on that tour 
at the end of 92. Yeah. And it was the first truly metal show I'd ever been to, I guess, because, mm-hmm. you know, before that I'd been to, you know, Warrant, Guns N' Roses, and Striper, and Tesla, and shows like that. Yeah. You know, of course, Guns N' Roses, huge arena show, and Warrant, and all that stuff, but Pantera was a true heavy metal, you know? Yeah, it was. And going to that thing, it just kind of... I was already, you know, a heavy metal fan, obviously, because of, like, those bands we mentioned earlier, but it just completely solidified everything with me, I think, when I yeah. saw it, and it was just so over the top, because it was <laughs> like watching this shit, you know, on TV or something, or if you yeah. saw a clip from some crazy-ass metal show, because that's truly what it was. It was White Zombie opened, and this yeah. was before most people, knew who they probably were. outside of the Northeast, knew who they were, Yeah, because they... I'm sure they were on Headbangers Ball by that point with Thunderkiss or mm-hmm. Black Sunshine, but they weren't a, a name that most people knew. And yeah, that show was in this little tiny theater thing in the fairgrounds that doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. And they carried out, I I forgot the number, but it was like 10 or 12 people. They carried him out to ambulances because that's how like intense the mosh was because like, the, you know, I guess this place didn't know what they were getting themselves into because they had folding chairs on the floor. Oh, shit. Laid out, you know, from the front to the back, you know, like everybody sat down in a single file and they weren't, they were, you know how they bolt those chairs together to make a long yeah thing or whatever. And there was like a... Kind of a second level that was, you know, raised up a little bit, like a half staircase. And you had to have a, you know, a ticket to get on the floor. And I was only up, could only go up to that rail. But as soon as, like, White Zombie, you know, people were going a little crazy. But as soon as Pantera hit, like, people were, like, lifting those whole rows of chairs up. And, like, trying to break, people were breaking them apart and just, like, throwing shit in the air. So they were fucking metal folding chairs and, you know, like, eight of them hooked together, like, flying across the crowd. So, people are getting hit in the head and shit. And then crowd surfing and falling on the chair, you know. So, it was, that's why people were going out in ambulances. So. God, I wish yeah. I could have went to that show. I remember, I, I've heard the stories for years. Yeah. <laughs> you and Thrasher. I wish to hell I could have yeah. went to that. And I just, I, I, I went because I, I was thinking. I won free tickets, you know. It's like, I, it's one of those ones you knew, you know, you had heard it was coming. You think, well, I'd be. Badass to go to, and then so, I remember I won tickets off the radio, and they asked me I could pick between Pantera or Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> if you'd have picked Melissa Etheridge, I would give you shit to this day. Hey, and I don't mind Melissa Etheridge. No, 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 not at all. But still, <laughs> let me ask you this though: is is that being one of your first, you know, like true metal, like non-arena concert experiences? And it sounds like you really kicked it off in the right fucking way. When you saw those chairs and all that kind of shit going, what did you think, as a as a a, a young as a young man? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember thinking it was crazy, just yeah. like that. This is just over the top. Is this how it is at all these shows like this? You know, and it really wasn't, honestly. Yeah. But like, I remember, like I mentioned, Lonnie already. I know he was there with, I think his sister, and I can't remember who, but like. Me and Thrasher, and then it seemed like someone else, but they ended up being able to get down on the floor and 
Yeah. I think someone had gave him a thing, even though they didn't have a pass, if I remember right. But I'm like, I don't even want to go down there. You know, it's because, you know, at this point, I was like 15. I'm not like in this mode where I'm like, I think I can handle this. I'm just like, I'm watching this like it's a fucking spectacle and just <laughs> amazed, you know. That's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you get to see that. Yeah. But then, well, what do we get? Oh, we got piss. Is that before? Is that before? Yeah, it was. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, because piss came out on the 2012 20th anniversary uh, reissue, not reissue, uh, remastered of vulgar display of power. Piss. And gotcha. when that came out, Vinny had said, "This is, you know, they claimed this was the only, this is the only Pantera song that existed, completed, that, that hadn't been released. that was never on an album or a soundtrack or anything." Yeah, and you know, I guess that sure that means there's pieces of other stuff, but and if you haven't heard it, you got to hear it. It's as good as anything on the album, most I think. Yeah, it is. In in one of the riffs and another song on Far Beyond Driven. Yeah, it's use my third arm. Uh, okay, gotcha. Like the riff that comes in halfway through that, and you know, Piss uses it throughout. Yeah, and they just took it and used it for that since they didn't release this and. I like this better than I like Use My Third Arm, but yeah. they're two totally different things, really. You yeah. know, because this is more just straight ahead, what, a three and a half, four minute song that is catchy in your face. Yeah. Just like most of the stuff on Vulgar. Yeah, definitely. You know, and Use My Third Arm was more of kind of a drawn out kind of thing. <laughs> Which kind of was the theme for, I think, the next couple records. Yeah. You know? But yeah, check out Piss if you never heard it. You like Pantera. I can't imagine you won't like that. Yeah, it's it's not anything bad. Right. <laughs> like a piss in the wind. By God. Well, Vulgar Display of Power came out. I mean, sorry. Yes, Far that Beyond came out. Driven. Far Beyond Driven came out in 1994. You motherfucker. <laughs> Two years later, this was the first ever heavy metal album to debut at number one on the Billboard charts. Yeah. And... There was something else about it like that that was, uh, I thought it was like a big deal. But anyway, when Strength Beyond Strength starts, it flows, you know, it flows perfectly well out of what Vulgar sounded like. Yeah. The whole album, you know, they're still carrying on what they were doing. But even though Vulgar, I thought was, like we talked about, heavy, intense, all kinds of great stuff, far beyond driven. I think took it to another intensity level yeah. for most of the part. Yeah, it did. I mean, you know, I remember I remember hearing it for the first time, and I mean, it's it's an amazing record. I, I think it, it's almost as classic and and you know uh, is vulgar. And really, uh, you could I mean, really, it's kind of like vulgar. Like I said earlier, we all had it. Everybody had it. Yeah. You know, like I said before, from that line from Wayne's World, if you live in the suburbs, you were issued it. Right. You know, and, <clears throat> but it did, it, it was a little bit more abrasive. Um, it was tight, but not, you know, I mean, if, if you get my meaning, yeah, it just kind of seemed to be a little dirtier. It almost makes me feel like. Maybe Phil had more of a hand in this. Yeah, exactly. That's, because that's, that's what he was always doing after or away from Pantera, yeah. outside of maybe Down, but I mean all his other stuff. 
is kind of in that yeah, vein, and, you where, know, it's, a, where it's looser, more raw and aggressive. You know, a song like uh, a song like "Good Friends and a Bottle of Pills." I mean, right. I got to think that's got Phil all over it, right? Right. You know, I, I mean, I could be totally wrong. I'm just, you know, I'm just talking here. <laughs> well, but, but I think "Becoming" is like that's such a great fucking song, and the fucking drums, and just the you, you don't, you know. What I liked about Vinnie Paul, what I liked about Pantera was, and I guess this kind of speaks to, you know, the groove aspect of it is, you always heard, you know, double bass and heavy metal, and it was like machine gun type kind of stuff. And Vinnie Paul would mix it up and use use that double bass in a different way and, you know, really just kind of turn metal drumming on its ear and it brought so much to the rest of the music. And that was just one song where I was like, man, this is fucking great. Uh, I just, that song really stuck out of me. Stuck yeah. out to me. Yeah. It's definitely one of my favorites on the album. It's, it's like three minutes long, yeah. but it's got like this huge chorus and that guitar riff. And yeah. like you said, memorable as hell. Yeah, but it the, is definitely. But the whole, I mean, the whole album is, yeah, I think, uh, I'm Broken was the lead single. Yeah, I and think you're right. That's as good as any anything yeah, they've ever done. You know, that never gets old. No, Five Minutes Alone never gets old. You know, Slaughtered was great. You know, my favorite songs, my three favorite songs now are Becoming, Slaughtered, and Shedding Skin. Yeah, yeah, Shedding Skin's insane. Because Shedding Skin's so, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Like. It's really different from most everything they had done to that point and even after, really. Mm-hmm. Just the yeah. that, the sound of his guitar tone on that song was a little different, and it just jumps out, so to speak, you know, and that's a cool as hell riff, you know. Yeah, definitely. It gets stuck in your head as well. And that's the cool thing about Dimebag is his stuff gets stuck in your head as much as, like, a chorus from a singer, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> But just think, like, if this is the first metal album ever debut at number one, and that was 94, you know, of course, a lot of metal wasn't ever mainstream on the charts before, you know, Metallica really, yeah. you know, made it. But I remember when the Black Adam came out, you know, you see all those stuff. I saw the stuff, you know, like, on the year and a half and all that stuff where it showed all the people the mass amounts of people out there buying the album, buying the album. like when yeah, it came out and like, all that shit. Like what did that debut at? I should have looked that up. Like how did that not debut at number I one? We, yeah, we need to find out. It's probably up against like Whitney Houston or something. <laughs> debuted at number two, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Far Beyond Driven, like you mentioned, everybody had it. And a lot of times you hear, I'll hear people all the time say it's their favorite Panther yeah. album. Oh yeah. So it's not even a question if, there's no, uh, what's the word? There's no let up. There's no slag. There's no, we could have said that at the beginning or I could say it at the end. All five of these albums, there's really never a, no. a drop off. No, there's not. And I don't know if it was after, in between, uh, yeah, in between Far Beyond Driven or after that. Is whenever the badge came out on the Crow soundtrack. Yeah, I liked that song. Yeah, I hadn't heard that song in years. Going over this, I really, it's a punk cover. I, I even looked up who did it, and the name escapes me now. Uh, maybe that's why I should make notes like you. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> right. 
But it's a great song. It's great. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack it, all around for the most part. Yeah, it is. It is. And it wasn't was Cat Scratch Fever in between Vulgar and Far Beyond Driven. Yeah, I think. See, because that, that song is actually on like the Detroit Rock City soundtrack or something. Oh, okay. But I think it was recorded way before that. I like see. around this time. On the list here, so I yeah. don't know. What I do you think, think of their cover of that? I like it. It's great. Yeah. It's like in the, the odd thing is it sounds more... It's real more true to the original than, is, than you would expect it to be. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I thought. It has. It just sounds like hard rock. It sounds like they're playing Nugent. It doesn't sound like they're making it Pantera. You know. Yeah. And the cool thing was, if you ever saw them live back then, you know they a lot of times they played that in the middle of Cowboys from Hell. They yeah, played, oh yeah, they did. I forgot about. They play that. like a thirty second or a minute yeah. interlude thing of it. You know. <laughs> But so by this point, we had seen, you'd seen him, you know, because we saw him on the mm-hmm. Far Beyond Driven tour. Yeah. With uh, Typo Negative. Yes. It was amazing. Yeah. That's a bill you could never get back, but that'd be. Yep. Glad we got to see that for sure. That's and right. That, that was since they debuted at number one and they became, they went from clubs to arenas really quick. Yeah. Which is unusual for a metal band. Yeah. So they were in, you know, they weren't giant arenas, but they were mid-sized arenas mm-hmm. at that point and. Um, forgot to mention uh, Planet Caravan on Far Beyond Driven. That song just bugs the fuck out of me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just can't. <laughs> I know people go ape shit and like you always see people talking about how much they love that. And I just, even when it came on doing this, I'm like, I want to skip this. It's not that it's bad. You know, I love the solo, you know, that mm-hmm. clean guitar thing he does, but I never even cared much for the original. That's, yeah. And, um, I and I love Black way. Sabbath, you know, it's just, it's but, just a boring song to me. It, well, and, but it did them good because they're yeah. like, well, this is a big album for us. We can have, it's, it's, it's a light, you know, acoustic thing. It'll get on the radio and it fucking did. Yeah, that makes so, sense because yeah. it got played the shit out of, yeah. at least around here, I know. Yeah, it, it wasn't a stupid decision to put that on there. Yeah. So when you go from Far Beyond Driven into the Great Southern Trend Kill, I think what I said about Vulgar to, to Far Beyond Driven can be said the same thing again. It's like up to, yeah. A little bit more. Let's go t- even. Let's get weird. Let's get, <laughs> you know, let's get. It's like, it's got this, uh, that whole album's got this, like, rusty, like, old. It's just got a, you know, a, I don't know, a, just a thing to it. It's just, uh, it's so much more abrasive. And, and I don't, I don't like it as much as I do the the other ones. But that doesn't mean it's not good. And I think for the time, that album really needed to be out because it was 1996 and you had a lot of really lame fucking shit going on. Yeah. And so this album was needed and, you know, it kind of, it kind of kicked a lot of things asses. (laughs) Right. That needed their asses kicked. Yeah. I mean, with a lot of, Albums from bigger artists, or at least bigger to me, I I remember like the first time I heard something, mm-hmm. and I still remember the very first time I I went and bought this at Best Buy on my lunch break from Cost Plus Baby Furniture. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> hey, I got it the day it came out too, yeah. and I get into my 
I guess it was Dodge Daytona at that point, mm-hmm. put the CD in. And that just opening. With that blast beat. Yeah. And him screaming. I was like, holy shit. It's like, it's Pantera. You know, it's going to be heavy. And it's going to kick ass, but just something about it. I'm like, yeah. Holy fuck. These guys are back and, you know, it's only been two years. Well, now. yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, the great Southern trend kill. That's what it fucking needed to be. And it needed yeah. to be a insane blast beat with just screaming coming out of it. Cause everybody kind of softened up or you had a bunch of new stuff coming out that was, you know, dishwall and shit. Fuck that. <laughs> you know, lit, whatever. Bullshit. <laughs> and so they knew. Deep we, blue something. Oh, Jesus. Fucking. That's why they, that's why I'd like to think that's why they did this and it needed to fucking be done. Well, yeah, even the lyrics to that song were about that. Yeah, know? exactly. But so just like going through some of the songs, you know, living through me. You know, it's just got that classic fucking riff. You know, I fucking mm-hmm. love that song. 13 and, Steps to Nowhere is my favorite song on that record. Yeah. That's just that's just a great fucking song. It's yeah. badass. Yeah, I love that one. And that, the riff and Suicide Note Part 2. Yeah. That fucking groove, you know, it's just like, that's one of his best riffs ever in my opinion. And Drag the Waters had a great groove to it. Yeah. As well, you know. Yeah, and then uh, I noticed that the solo on Tens just sounded a lot different than most mm-hmm. of his other stuff. Yeah. And he did that on a few songs on this, just had, I guess, an experiment with stuff, or just probably at this point, I could really do what they wanted. You yeah. Know? So. Well, you know, Floods. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> if you if you go, uh, well, I can't remember the name of the home video that's that Vinny put out. Uh, the Dynavision. Uh, Dynavision. Yeah. There's, there's footage of... Dimebag Daryl back in like the early 80s at like little club shows and he's doing that fucking the floods of the solo and the little riff and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Which, I know I've seen way, that when it came out but that's been yeah. 10 years ago so I forgot. Well, which by the way that Dime Vision if you have it or it's all the whole thing's on YouTube whatever that's such a great fucking showcase and tribute to Dimebag Daryl. I mean it's it's got a million of his solos. It's got just him jamming, him talking. Just side note, go watch that. It's great. It's never gets old, never gets boring. Yeah. Fuck, I might watch it tonight now, fucking <laughs> now that we're doing this. <laughs> well, he called He called that volume one. Yeah. I never put out a volume I know, two. It's been I know. a long time. I figured he would. But the, that solo in Floods has a real, uh, or like at least the, you know, the solo towards the end. Has like a real uh, Satriani kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, one of those kind of virtuoso yeah. guitarists that kind of, I don't even know what you describe it as, that more kind of ambient hard rock thing yeah. or whatever. I know exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. It, it, it has that vibe to it for sure. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, and I keep forgetting to look up that Zach Wilde did that cover of Suicide Note Part 1. That's you brought that up. I completely forgot about that till you mentioned it the other day. I went and I went and listened to it. It was really cool. And since you had mentioned that, it was before I got to that song. You know, when we were doing this, and so when that song came up, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, you know what? This sounds the most like any Pantera song. That the way Phil's singing it, like Zach's vocal style, fits perfect to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just kind of there you go. Well, I, I really I love that song. 
you know, it's really solemn, but it's like catchy too. And it just, it really, it's really vibey in the way it just goes into part two. I mean, it's just insane. I think that's just a great little piece they put together there. Yeah. And, yeah. and it shows kind of the different stuff they can do, even while they're still being, you know, abrasive as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw him live on that tour at the Brady Theater. Brady Theater, yeah. And I'd seen him earlier that year at the... With New- Neurosis and Biohazard. Yeah. Saw him New Year's Eve in you Dallas. Did, you motherfucker. With Crozen Conforming and Crowbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had those flyers at, at midnight that dropped from the, the ceiling, you know, and they, you know, said their picture and it said, Happy New Year's Pantera. And it said, look for, you know, 1996, the heaviest album of the year from Pantera. Yeah. And, but it, and it was. I don't know if it was. Neurosis album's probably heavier. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess probably. I redefined heavy fast. That's a different kind of heavy. Yeah. <laughs> well, was there uh yeah, it would have been after the Great Southern Trend Kills when they did, uh, when they released the live album. Yeah. Official Live those, 101. Yeah, it had a couple of new songs on it. Yeah. Watch Me Go and Ken, man, I forgot the name of that one. Where, where You Come From? Yeah, Where You Come I From. I Can't Hide? Watch Me yeah. Go. What's that? Oh, that's the name of, what's that the name of? That's something else, Pantera. I have no idea. Is that that video? Thing? Watch It Go. That's oh, that's that. Watch It Go. Okay, yeah. Man. Sorry, I'm off. Lay off the booze, Trent. Yeah. Wait, I'm telling you that? Anyways. Right. Uh, I really loved Where You Come From. I thought that was a great... I, I liked that better than anything off of Great Southern Trend Kill. Oh, wow, really? It just seemed like it harkened back to... Yeah. You know, the vulgar or far beyond. I, and it was just catchy and, you know, and he's like, I oh, don't give a shit and all that. I, I don't know. I just liked that. So <laughs> it was cool. It was a cool song, man. Yeah, both those songs have the vibe of the earlier stuff, and I wondered if yeah. maybe they were just leftover tracks they recorded for this. You know? Could have been. Could have been. But that's basically... Oh, and then they had the cover of uh, Hole in the Sky yeah. from Nativity in Black. Yeah. Right? Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. You that's know? a great cover. Yeah. It's, see, that's that's the difference between that and Planet Caravan. That's a great fucking song. <laughs> So, you don't really need to say much about that. Listen to it if you hadn't. Then Reinventing the Steel came out. This was the first time they had a bigger gap four years later. Yeah. In 2000. And I'll just say when this first came out, you know, I'm a huge Pantera fan. One of my favorite bands. Fanboy. Yeah. I fucking liked it, but it just didn't hit me as much as the previous four did. Yeah. And just, and I always just kind of, I listened to it a lot. And then just like, as the years went by, I just didn't listen to it for a long time. Because then anytime I went back to listen to Pantera, it used to be one of the first three albums or yeah. maybe Great Southern Trend Kill. And then, then when I eventually, years later, went back and listened to it, I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking great. What was I Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great record. I think, yeah. I think that you, you, I think that was when cracks were starting to show. Yeah. You know, personally with that band. And I don't know, it just seemed like it maybe came across in the music because it just didn't have, it, you're right, it didn't have the umph sometimes as, yeah. you know, the other records did. I think but, it's a, but, 
complete. I, yeah, I mean, what's the right word? Like, it's a f- complete great album. Yeah, but it's real front heavy. I think mm-hmm. if that makes sense. The I first, get that. Yeah. Like, if this was a vinyl, the side A side. <laughs> fucking rules, and side B is like, ah, eh, it's all right. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, uh, I one thing about this record is when I want to listen to Pantera, I usually listen to this record. Oh, really? Because... Nowadays? Nowadays. Because it's short and you like short shit? I like short stuff. <laughs> but also, those, you know, Vulgar and um, Far Beyond Driven and Great Southern Trend Kill, I've listened to those a billion times over the years. Like, just incessantly. And it's I feel like I've got them just etched in my brain. Kind of like why well, I don't listen to the Black Album or Injustice for all that much anymore. You know, when I when I go to Metallica, I go to whatever they're doing new, or I go to Kill 'Em All. And when I go to Pantera, it's usually Cowboys from Hell or Reinventing the Steel. You know, I Makes just sense. yeah, you know. And so, uh, I but I, I get what you're saying about it's you know front heavy. Uh, but hey, you know, it's still amazing. Goddamn electric. I mean, come yeah. on. Right. Kara King plays on that, so you know. But I like I was like uplift, you know. That was like later in the record. I yeah, like that. That's great. I like we'll grind that axe for a long time. Yeah, you know. So, uh, but it's but those, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say those first four or five songs. Um, Hellbound, Goddamn Electric, Yesterday Don't Mean Shit, Death Rattle. Yeah. Revolution is my name. Like these are just like, boom. You know, this yeah. is fucking. As good as anything Pantera's ever done. Yeah, like a cannon went off. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems, maybe this is, it, it, you kind of hear where the brothers are going, and it and it wasn't where Phil was going, so I think that's kind of why it seems a little off-kilter at times in this album. Really? You know, it, it, it's almost like they're trying to get Phil to sing for Damage Plan or something at times. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a weird... Uh, you know, I don't know. That's kind of what I surmised from it. Yeah. But you, you would just assume the further it got along, the more Phil's wanting to do the stuff he ended up doing, like Super Joint or whatever, yeah. you know, that was... Well, and that's why what happened happened, you know. He yeah. went off and did his own stuff because I don't think he was feeling... He was really into underground and hardcore and extreme and brothers weren't. And yeah. You could... You could really feel that, and it, you know, I, and that kind of brings me to something I was going to ask you: is you know, had the the worst not happened, and we still had Dimebag today, you think they would have got back together and did something? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm. I think they would have, but it's been 17 years now. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I do, you know, and and but I think that you know, damage plan probably needed to happen. I think they yeah. did need a break. You know, I think they, but I think they would have yeah, went through what a lot of those bands that kind of took breaks went through was. I think they would have realized we need to do this. Yeah. So I think they would have done stuff. I think it would have drug out a while, but I mean, I'm talking like yeah, a couple more Damage Plan albums, whatever, and yeah. like we're talking like 2010 or 12. Yeah, I think at you're some right. point it, it would have been like, a while. Yeah. Okay, let's do this, mm-hmm. and it would have been one of those scenarios where you know by the time. Like I said, we saw them in an arena, and then when the Great Southern Trend Kill came around, they were in the big theaters, mm-hmm. so it was a little bit smaller, but still good for a metal band. And then, you know, I know on the, I don't know where all they were playing on the Revolution, uh, the 
reinventing the steel cycle, but I know they did a lot, that outdoor tour with Anthrax and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there was kind of up and down on the sizes of places they're playing, but I guarantee you if they had left, you know, and got back together 10 or 12 years later, they'd have been in arenas again. Oh yeah, they would have. You know, just because it had, you know, people were clamoring for it and you got a whole generation of people that never saw them live. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and we were lucky it would have happened. Yeah. You know? But the, the one thing that, that's obvious when you listen to all five of these albums is that um, these guys know how to write a, or these guys know how to pick a opening track. Yeah, they do. Like all five of them. Yeah. You know? Cowboys <laughs> from Hell, Mouth for War, Strength Beyond Strength, um, The Great Southern Trend Kill and Hellbound, you yeah. know, are just all perfect opening tracks. You know? Yeah, they are. And they're another, you know, we say hashtag all killer no filler. They're pretty much, there's not a song on this thing that, you know, outside I was talking crap about Planet Caravan, you know, whatever, but there's not really a song in their whole catalog that I dislike. Yeah. You're never going to hit skip. Right. Never. Yeah. Well, is there anything else? Like one other thing I want to mention, I always thought was cool, especially it was a little more obvious early on, but I guess that led to how they like the Cowboys album and stuff, the style of them. The music, like it was always cool how you could hear everything that was mm-hmm. going on. Like you yeah. could hear Rex, like you yeah. could hear his bass lines. Definitely. You could hear him later, but it, you know, it was one of those things that was just, some bands that just, you know, their bass players just there to keep the beat, I guess, you know, with yeah. the drummer, you know, and it just kind of blends in. But like, there's guys like that where it's just like, it's part of the music and yeah. they make it stand out. And I always thought that was great how all four of them. You know, this is one of those rare bands where there's the four guys that just excel at what they do and came together in this amazing chemistry. You know, like you talk about like Van Halen form, those four guys are like... Yeah, exactly. You know, there's you're not... Never, you're never going to get that. Yeah, yeah where there's four guys that are all four... You know, Rex who isn't like a huge mega rock star compared to the other three, but he's still in the metal world, yeah. revered as huge, you know, and he should be. Some of the, some of the parts, you know, greater yeah. than the... Um, and that brings me to one thing. I got two more things I want to say. One thing is, it's, it's it's kind of dropped off a little bit, but forever you kept hearing about the rumors they're going to get back together and have Zach play. Cut that shit out. Yeah. I mean, just stop. That's never going to happen. Um, there's never been any founded info that that's going to happen. It's always just rumors. And even some like news sites will like report on it. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're just trying to get people to click on your yeah. stupid little fucking site. Well, and someone will do an interview with Zach and then try to bring it up. <clears> and then he'll make a comment about how that would be cool. And then they turn it into like, Zach says it would be great when the Pantera yeah, gets back together. I know. It's yeah. like, what are, you, what are you supposed to say? It wouldn't be cool? <laughs> right. You know, but these people just run with some shit that's not going to happen. That You know, I, I, I've got a better chance of losing 200 pounds then there's a chance of Phil and Vinny ever being in the same fucking room together. Okay? No, I think that don't happen. <laughs> I don't think it I don't, will. I don't think that... I don't think it will. I kind of think it will, but it's like, you know, in what capacity, who knows, but I mean... Yeah, the the thing, you know... I fucking love Zach Wilde. He's one of my favorite musicians of all time. Yeah. In definitely. every capacity, not just guitarist. I'm talking about his solo stuff. Pride and Glory, Black Label, all that stuff. And, of course, Pantera's one of my favorite bands. 
So yeah, that would be cool. But when you think about it, he's totally different than Dimebag too. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not even a guitarist and I don't know all this intricacies and all this kind of stuff, but I can just listen to it and tell you, sure, Zach could play it and it would sound cool, but it's going to sound like Zach Wilde playing Pantera. It's not going to sound yeah. like Pantera. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah. You know, you're exactly right. And it's just, it, 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 it doesn't need to happen. Yeah. So it just doesn't. Um, so yeah, there you go. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was, uh, their home videos. Yeah. Their home videos were legendary. They did, they did what no band had done up until that point. Every home video you bought was just a concert. Yeah. And, and maybe a few backstage things. Yeah. Where and it was like, I guess Metallica did it a little bit with having, you know, the year and a half thing. But I mean, these guys didn't give a fuck. They, <laughs> they, they'd show themselves, you know, naked walking across the room, smoking fucking weed, all their hookers or their groupies backstage. I mean, you got to see Vinny without a hat on. <laughs> right. uh, you got to see Phil walk across the room naked and his foot and a half cock swinging everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I remember watching this going, what the fuck is going on? They just don't give a shit. You see Kirk Winstein paint himself green and right. fucking run around and, you know, break shit. I mean, <laughs> shit was, you know, uh, they'd fucking follow their gigantic fucking security guard around and like, you know, challenge him to eat a whole fucking birthday cake and pay him fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean the shit's insane, dude. Yeah, it's like and, and and it's just it was legendary. Fucking legendary. It's like you just take home videos where you're joking with your friends and then make it to the to the public. Yeah. And like you said, they completely changed the whole game you know mm -hmm. as far as that goes because you know lamb of god and other bands did this kind of shit where it was like real open yeah later on yeah you know and definitely if it hadn't been for that you know you probably would have never saw you know randy and who was mark. it yeah, yeah mark yeah. like going at it you know on the yeah. tour bus you know dude which <laughs> you know if everybody out there hadn't seen that mark fucking lays them out yeah pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck with Mark Morton. He'll punch you out. <laughs> right. Well, we got anything else to talk about, Pantera? I think we did it, man. Yeah. That was a good one. It felt good. I will say this just to piss you off. I met Dimebag Daryl, but you yeah, already thanks. know that. Thanks, asshole. Yeah. Appreciate that. I actually met all four of these guys at different, different points. Well, times. no, I met Vinny at the same time I met Dimebag, but met Phil Rux way before that, and you were with me, of course, when we met. Met Phil, yeah. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. I was pretty intimidated, but he was a pretty nice guy. Yeah, which was kind of a cool story to tell because yeah, it is. Actually. We weren't even. It wasn't a Pantera concert, and weren't even looking for him because he was. We were at Machine Head with Neurosis and uh, it was someone else. Machine Head, Downset, Neurosis, and fuck man i can't some some other band it was machine head and three bands that were on ozfest it was an ozfest 97 off date yeah. picture it tulsa oklahoma 1997 <laughs> and and it uh, was the day before i, I think, think so yeah the dallas show and we were going to the dallas show but i'm like I can't miss this can't miss this I yeah machine exactly head. and so um and I, I can't remember exactly how it came up but i remember you know there's People were saying stuff like, you know, Phil's here. Because yeah. I think he was just, you know, just wanting to hang out and drive, you know, drive around with the bands or something. Well, he's like a, you know, a known, like, 
diehard Neurosis fan. Yeah. And then obviously at that point he was a Machine Head fan. Yeah. I doubt he's yeah. much now. Probably, but... probably not a big Machine Head fan now, but anyways. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we were like, oh, that's cool, you know. And so I'm not kidding you. We're standing there. It was between bands. Me and you were standing there. Okay. And uh, you tapped me on the shoulder and like looked behind you. I looked behind me and there's Phil and Selmo just right behind us. And I about shit. You know, and we just went up to him and, you know, yeah, he and gave thank- me a big hearty handshake. He was a nice guy. Yeah, Took thankfully I had my camera, you know, this was well, you know, way before cell phones with the camera yeah. on him. Thankfully I just had my handy little film camera, Yeah, you know, for the concert itself and was able to get a picture of so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty badass. Yeah. Have but to say. That time I met Dimebag, it was cool, even though it was a short, you know, couple minute thing mm-hmm. you know it's just like everybody says you know he's just like gracious and like joking with everybody and yeah you know he's like engaging conversations i noticed with people who weren't even like he hadn't talked to yet you know yeah. before they got up to him and then like i know i told you that like i this was also before uh i think yeah i think i had film still you know this was like 2004 i guess or three the year before he died i think so three um, and I had, I had a film camera with me, not a digital camera. And I had this guy take my picture. It was with him and Pat Lackman, the singer mm-hmm. from Damage Plan. Damage Plan, yeah. And I just, thankfully, just happened to look, you know, know what number that the, the picture was on or mm-hmm. how many pictures have been taken. And he gave it back to me as thanks. And I'm walking away and I look at it and it's still the same number. So the guy like had like fucked up and not took the picture. And I was like, oh fuck. I'm like, I'm not going to miss this. It's fucking dime bag. You're going back. So I'm like, I'm just going to go back and do it again. And I go back up there and like, he's all joking. He's like, didn't you already get a picture? What do you need another one for? (laughs) So then I explain the situation. He's like, oh fuck that guy. Let's do this. And, and then like he's standing there and Pat Lackman standing beside his arm and dime bag like looks at Pat and he's like, what the hell are you doing? You had your, you know, cause he had put his, arm around my neck like he was choking me where he could yeah. see his damage plan tattoo on his arm yeah. and he's like you had his arm around his neck he's like oh yeah that was him right you know so he's just like constantly joking you know, <laughs> shit, just like on those videos so it was kind of cool yeah that's awesome but you went back for another picture hell yeah yeah <laughs> there you go pantera every album in a row hope you enjoyed revisiting that or if that's your first time checking it out we appreciate it like we said we've got those on YouTube, from Kiss, Motley Crue, Megadeth, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Ozzy, Van Halen, Alice in Chains, and Pantera. I think that covers them. I think so. And we've spoken about doing Faith No More. Yes. That was actually the next one we're going to do, and then now we've actually got in the works. We'll just announce it. It's not like it's going to fall through. We've got Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> yes. With Brandon, the lead singer of Driver. Yes, he definitely want, he he wants to, he threw out a couple bands and that's one we could definitely do. I think the three of us, you know, so I, I think that would be one I'd like to, you know, try to have get going in the next day or, or next the next one we do. I mean, right? Pardon me. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. No. It has to be tomorrow. <laughs> fuck voting. Fuck band practice. <laughs> We're doing it. But the. The only one we've had that we had a guest on was Kiss, and we had CJ from Grimes. Yes. 
And that turned out really well because as much as we like Kiss, he knows twice as much about Kiss yeah. as we do. So, yeah. And just he, to have a third voice in as well is oh, always yeah. cool. He, he was so smart on that subject. I felt like I felt like a fucking sixth grader back in math class <laughs> having to stay after school for, you know, help because I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, right. That's how it was because his KISS knowledge was way more vast. He's forgotten more about KISS than I'll ever know. That's right. I mean, so, yeah. But you remember that I told him that God gave rock and roll to you too was a cover and he didn't know that? Oh, man. So I felt it made me feel good. You got, you got one up there. Yeah. On old CJ. <laughs> well, we've also got an interview with the band Narwolf coming up. Yeah. They're coming to Tulsa in about a week and a half. And then we've got some other stuff in the works that we'll be talking about here soon. But yeah, we appreciate you listening. We've got tons of podcast episodes with guests up, like the people we just mentioned, Brandon from driver cj from grind we've had on a massive dime bag dime bag excuse me a massive vinnie paul fan mike dipetrillo yes. has been on here several times of course and he goes way back with vinnie like he played shows and i think you know work shows with him in the mid 80s before pan for most people who knew pantera was yeah so yeah check out those from driver and then we've had on guys from Speaking of badass drummers, Reed Mullen from COC, Ian Hoglin from Europe. We've had on Shooter Jennings, Gene Simmons, Bruce Kulik, Reed Mullen. You just I said just said Reed that. Mullen. Sorry, I love Reed Mullen. Hey, yeah. uh, fucking uh, Spirit Caravan, right? Wino. Uh, we mentioned Warren earlier. Joey yeah, Allen's Warren. been on here. John Connolly from Seven Dust. Yep. Dave Olson from Megadeth. Chris Broderick from Active yes. Defiance and formerly of Megadeth. That's right. Pat on man, Jason Todd, who was on the first couple of Shine Dad albums. They're two best albums, by the way. We've had on guys from, like we mentioned earlier, Bullet Boys, Firehouse, Trickster, all the glam bands. Royal Republic, Miss May I, Saving Abel. Truck Fighters, Truck King. Truck Fighters, King, with a Y. <laughs> They've all been on here. Yeah. Guys from Black Star Riders and Saxon and Prong. Yes. Those are some recent ones. Jared James Nichols. Exactly. Who has an album you need to check out if you have not. But yeah, check all these out. TheThunderUnderground.com, SoundCloud.com, backslash Thunder-Underground, and pretty much anywhere else podcasts are heard. Basically, if you can't find something in that list uh, that you like, you need to just fuck off and go listen to 21 Pilots. <laughs> But if they're still listening now, I would assume there's something they could like. But yeah, surely, yeah. But if you're a 21 Pilots fan, we're working on that for episode 190. That's that's the one I'm going to be on vacation for. You have fun with that, <laughs> right? Mm. All right. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Mm.